Genesis chapter 21. <clears throat> the title of my sermon this morning is Israel, do you love me? Israel, do you love me? Genesis chapter 21, verses 9 to 12. Verse 9 reads, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman with her son and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said to Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Let's bow for prayer. O oh God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship, to pray, to sing your praises, and to study your eternal word. Please teach us this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. There is an, an alarming increase of anti-Semitism at this time around the world. Anti-Semitism is the expressive hatred of Jewish people. This aggression is coming predominantly from Muslim Arab nationals scattered throughout the world. We see this through these pro-Palestine rallies such as the one that was held in Melbourne the other week on our Remembrance Day of all days. Our Remembrance Day. It was held in a densely populated Jewish community, not far from a synagogue, on a Sabbath day for the Jewish people. This protest deteriorated into violent behaviour. But apparently the organisers apologised in that they said they didn't realise they were protesting near a synagogue in a highly dense Jewish community on 
a Sabbath day? We call this lying. Lying. Church family, do you understand that in the Quran it's acceptable to lie? As one Arabic authority confirmed with me, the Quran teaches it's acceptable to lie. The Quran teaches speak the truth only to those that deserve it. In other words, don't cast your pearls, truth, before swines, unbelievers. Beloved, it's important to look at what is taking place around us through the lens of Scripture. Only then will we see clearly see clearly current events in light of future prophecy. Why? (laughs) Why such a strong hatred of the Jewish people? Evident in past history, evident to this very day. It all goes back to the book of Genesis. to Genesis, to Abraham and the animosity between the descendants of his son Isaac, the Jewish race, and his son Ishmael, the father of the Arab race. And instead of Ishmael being the promised seed, God chose Isaac. This is why This is where that hatred all began and that jealousy all began between the sons of Isaac and the sons of Ishmael. See, according to the Bible, Abraham offered Isaac on the altar there in Genesis chapter 22. According to the Quran, Abraham offered Ishmael. They both cannot be true. Note there in Galatians chapter 4, please, Galatians chapter 4, verses 28 and 29, it reads, Galatians 4, 28 and 29, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born of he that was born after the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. So there's a confirmation of Genesis chapter 21. Satanism is behind anti-Semitism. That's why it doesn't make sense on a human level. 
hatred of the Jews is, is, is instigated by Satan himself. We see this today and it will continue into the tribulation period. If we had time, we'd go back and study Revelation chapter 12. Israel is likened to a woman with child, hunted down by the dragon, Satan himself. Revelation 12, 17. Israel's roots are in Abraham. A Gentile originally who became the father of the Jewish nation. And God called him and promised to build from him a great nation and God promised him a land. Note there in Genesis chapter 15 verse 18, Genesis 15, 18, it reads, In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt, which is the Nile River, southwest, unto the great river, the river Euphrates, Far East. God said to Abraham, all this land is yours. That's a lot of land. And we can appreciate why Joshua, in the book of Joshua, chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, after he had led God's people into the land of promise, made this statement, there is yet very much land to be possessed. He understood there's a lot more land to take possession of. Israel are the indigenous people of the land of Israel because God gave them the land. Though the land has been conquered many times by different empires, the land of Israel has never been a Muslim state. It's never been an Arab state. It's never been a Palestinian state or any other state. It is the state of Israel, the land of Israel. God gave Israel the title deeds to the land. Even though they have been scattered and ruled by others, it is still their land given to them by God. This is Bible. This is historical fact. And all of God's people said, don't be ashamed of what the Bible teaches. This is Bible. This is historical fact. It was Roman Emperor Hadrian who reigned from 117 to 138 AD in order to squash a Jewish revolt and to stamp out all Jews out of the land. He changed the name of the land to Palestina. 
Up until then, it was known as the land of Israel. He changed it to Palestina as a way of mocking them. Palestina, the Philistines, the owners of the land, which is not true. The Canaanites were there before the Philistines. That's rubbish. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to give you a land. And God also said to Abraham that from your seed I will provide a saviour for the whole world. This is the blessing to all nations that Abraham was promised through his seed. Genesis chapter 12 verses 2 and 3. See, God's plan of redemption is through Jesus Christ who came into the world through the nation of Israel, Abraham's race. The Old Testament promised a saviour through the nation of Israel and the New Testament gives us the fulfilment of those countless promises. This is why Jesus Christ said salvation is of the Jews to a Samaritan woman in John 4.22 because God will provide salvation in and through the line of Abraham, in and through the line of the promised son Isaac. Salvation is of the Jews. No wonder why Satan hates Israel. That's why there's anti-Semitism today. Down through history to this day, Satan has inspired people to hate, kill, destroy the Jewish people. Why? They're people with feelings like you and I with emotions like you and I. Why? Because they are God's chosen people and the channel of salvation and the channel of salvation in Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. There are some 22 Arab states and 52 Muslim states in the world today that want nothing more than the destruction of Israel. This is demonic activity. How else do you explain it? The devil is likened to a thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. The Old Testament prophets foretold of this persecution of Abraham's seed time and time again. One of those prophets was a prophet by the name of Zechariah. Turn with me to Zechariah chapter 12, please. Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah and Haggai are two prophets that God raised up in order to cause God's people to 
complete the rebuilding of their temple back in Jerusalem. The book of Zechariah chapter 12, we have a prophecy concerning the persecution of the Jewish people to come in relation to the tribulation period. And we see here the assurance of God's protection over his people. Note here in Zechariah chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about. This is in reference to her persecution. When they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. That's how much God loves Israel. That's what a mother would feel like doing if somebody would dare touch their child. They might not do it physically, but their mind they would be saying, I'll cut them in pieces if they touch my son. This is what God said. You touch my Israel, I'll cut you in pieces. It's pretty strong wording. This is how much God loves Israel. Though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. And I will open and I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts their God. Look at verses 9 and 10. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And in verse 10 it goes on to say, I will pour upon the house of David, upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his own son. And shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. So here in Zechariah chapter 12, we see reference to the persecution of the Jewish people from all over, but God tells us that he will protect his people. See, one plus God is a majority, 
And no matter whether Australia, Great Britain or America continue to support Israel, God is on Israel's side. And God will protect his people. And through this great persecution here in chapter 12 that Zechariah makes reference to, which in its context is in reference to the tribulation period, God's people will be saved. For it will be within the tribulation period to come, a seven-year period of time graphically described in Revelation chapter 6 all the way through to chapter 19 that Israel will be saved as a nation. Referred to as Daniel's 70th week. And as a result, she will be heavily persecuted. And as Zechariah refers or describes Israel as a cup of trembling... but God will come to her rescue. My friend, the tribulation period to come will begin immediately after the rapture of the church. What is the rapture of the church? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 teaches us that Jesus Christ will come again as he has promised and he will snatch from the earth all those that are Christians that are alive at his coming. And once he removes his church from the earth and brings to a climax, an end to the church age as we know it today, then will begin the last week known as Daniel's 70th week, a period of seven years where God will bring to completion his eternal plan for his people Israel Israel will be saved but Israel will be heavily persecuted during this time in order to ignite this seven year tribulation period in Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 it talks about a seven year peace treaty signed with who well you guessed it Israel, they're the talk of the town. And as we draw nigh towards the Lord's return, they will become more so the talk of the town. There will be a seven-year peace treaty signed with Israel. And when you and I begin to hear of such a possibility, just start packing your bags, Christian. We're on the way out. When you start hearing about a peace treaty, but a seven-year peace treaty, start packing your spiritual bags. Our Lord cometh. Because God has not appointed you and I that are Christians a day of wrath. But God has appointed to you and I that know Jesus Christ as Savior. God has promised us deliverance from the wrath of God. God has promised us salvation. We will not endure this tribulation period. Our Lord Jesus taught on the tribulation period. Matthew chapter 24, please. Please. Are you still with me? Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 25. The Lord Jesus talked about 
the tribulation period leading into the eternal realm. And here in Matthew chapter 24, the Lord Jesus made reference to the persecution of his people. Specifically there in Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 to 21. Look at verse 15 and 16 for the sake of time. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. What's that? Bear with me, I'll let you know in a couple of moments. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Our Lord is about to affirm something that was spelled out in the book of Daniel. The abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Note verse 16. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Our Lord Jesus taught on the tribulation period and he taught the fact that God's people will be persecuted during this period, this seven-year period. When you read carefully the book of Revelations, chapter 6 to 19, you will note the tribulation period falls into two parts. The first three and a half years and then the final three and a half years. Equal seven years. The Lord Jesus made reference to the initial first three and a half years as the beginning of sorrows, the Lord Jesus called this period of time. Note there in Matthew chapter 24, verse number 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. This is how the Lord Jesus summed up the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. We read in verses 4 and 5, we read of false Christs during the tribulation period. In verse 6, we read of wars during the tribulation period. In verses 7 and 8, we read of famine and death in the tribulation period. In verse 9, we read of martyrdom in the tribulation period. People will die for their faith. Then verses 10 to 13, we read of worldwide chaos during the tribulation period. But praise God, in verse 14, we read of the worldwide preaching of the gospel during the tribulation period. And as a result, many will be saved. In fact, in Revelation chapter 6 and 7, sums up this portion of scripture that our Lord Jesus made reference to and he called this first three and a half years as the beginning of sorrows. But in all of this doom and gloom, blessed be God, his word is not bound. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.9, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. You can't bind the Word of God. It was C.H. Spurgeon who said of old, 
the word of God is like a lion. You don't need to protect a lion. Let him loose. He can take care of himself. The word of God is not bound. So even during the tribulation period, people will be saved. And in Revelation chapter 7, it talks about 144,000 Jewish individuals saved and then a great many more saved during this period of time. Why? Because the gospel of peace in Jesus Christ will continue to be preached in that time. That's the first three and a half years. And then we read on here in Matthew chapter 24. Note then verse 21. The Lord Jesus made reference to the first three and a half years as the beginning of sorrows. Now the second part of the tribulation period, he refers to this time as the great tribulation. Note verse 21. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time nor ever shall be. That's a powerful statement. There'll be nothing like what is yet to come. And part of this great tribulation period that kicks off at the middle of the tribulation period is the desecration or the polluting of the Jewish temple. And there in verse number 15, where the Antichrist allowed a Jewish temple to be rebuilt during the tribulation period and God's people were allowed to worship in this temple. But three and a half years into the tribulation period, the Antichrist moves in, sets up a, a, an image of himself and he demands worship. And this takes place at the middle. And it's from that point on all hell breaks loose. The Antichrist reveals his true colors. He's not a love of Israel. He hates Israel. Wants to kill Israel. Israel is saved and they are persecuted and hunted down. That's the abomination of desolation. And note what the Lord Jesus had spoken of by Daniel the prophet. If you uh, were to go back to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, this is what it's referring to. Jesus Christ gives credibility to the words of Daniel. And therefore, from verses 16 to 20, we have a warning. A warning to... God, for God's people to flee. Flee. The intensity of the tribulation period is referred to in verses 21 to 26 of Matthew chapter 24. We don't have time this morning to read and study. You can do that on your own. I'm just giving you the context. And then from verses 27 to verse number 30, These verses are in reference to a great battle that will take place at the end of the tribulation period known as the Battle of Armageddon. And with this, the Lord Jesus will come 
He will return back to the earth to set up his 1,000 year reign. He will defeat the Antichrist and his army. So you can correspond verses 27 to 30 with verses like Revelation chapter 16. Quickly, Revelation chapter 16. Verse 14 it reads, And they are the spirits of devils working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. This is in reference to the battle of Armageddon that will take place at the end of the tribulation period. And if we had time, we would go to Revelation chapter 19, verses 19 to 21, and talks about the coming of Christ. But note there in verse number 31, please, of Matthew chapter 24. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other, his elect. This is in reference to redeemed Israel. Redeemed Israel. God will preserve, God will protect his people that will be heavily persecuted during the tribulation period within the second part of the tribulation period, the great tribulation. And then from then on we note a number of parables that are given to illustrate and to uh, challenge you and I to be faithful because as it reads there in verse 44, Therefore be also ready for such an hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh. So we see clearly even within this passage of Scripture here, of which the Lord Jesus made reference to Israel during the tribulation period, we see a hatred of Israel. But there are those that love Israel. There are those that love Israel. What does this prove specifically in relation to those that survived the tribulation period? Good question. The answer to this question is found in Matthew chapter 25. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 from verses 31 to 46. The answer to this question is found in what our Lord referred to as the judgment of the living nations. Here in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. Now listen to me carefully. Many will die during the tribulation period. Not everybody, but many. Many will die during the tribulation period. But not everyone on the earth. There will be those that will survive the tribulation period. I know it's hard to believe that God's grace is God's grace and his mercies are new every day. 
So it's no coincidence that even during the tribulation period, there will be those that will survive the tribulation period. God will protect, seal Israel, but there are others. But what happens to those alive at the end of the tribulation period? Because following the tribulation period, you and I that are in Christ, we will return with Christ, we will witness the battle of Armageddon, and we will reign with Christ on the earth for 1,000 years. But what happens to those that survive the tribulation period? Well, the answer to that is here in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46, as I've said. God will judge them. This is known as the judgment of the living nations. God will judge them. Likened to a farmer separating his sheep from goats. Note then verse 32. Before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep. From his goats. There is a difference between sheep and goats. Now, what is the result in being considered sheep as opposed to goat? What qualified an individual to be considered a sheep and a goat? Note then verse 34 reads, are you still with me? Okay, this is Bible. Look at verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So these ones that are referred to as sheep, they've been set aside on the right hand. And the Lord Jesus said, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is in reference to the 1,000 year reign. Spelled out in Revelation chapter 20 verses 1 to 6. But then note then verse 41 please. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand. So we, we have those on the right, there are those on the left. Those on the right, Jesus said, inherit my kingdom prepared for you. And those on the left, verse 41, it reads, depart from me, ye cursed. Into everlasting fire prepared for the, for the devil and his angels. A summary is given there in verse 46. 
and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, those referred to in verse 41, but the righteous into life eternal, those referred to in verse 34. So what's the issue here? Note what the Lord Jesus said in verse 40. The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The question was asked, Why, Lord? Why, Lord? But also note then verse 45, it reads, Then shall he answer them, these on the left, these that are cast into everlasting punishment, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. My brethren, who are my brethren? It has to be the Jewish people. This is the context. For if the sheep and the goats refer to national groups, the only other possible group would be the Jewish people. The physical brothers of our Lord. You have done it under these the least These, my brethren, you've done it as unto me. Because this is his elect. And God gathers his elect. Remember, the nation is saved during the tribulation period. Israel is saved by the end of the tribulation period. And since Israel is openly the enemy of the Antichrist, she will be heavily persecuted. Jewish people won't be able to buy or sell. So they will go hungry. Think about it. And because they are fleeing for their lives, they will have need of somewhere to, to stay. And without jobs, without the mark of the beast, they'll have basic needs like clothing. Many will be cast into prison. See, this is what our Lord Jesus was referring to from verses 35 to 39. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in, naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. See, not only Jews but also Gentiles will be saved during the tribulation period. Revelation chapter 7. Very, very clear. They will show the evidence 
these saved Gentile individuals, listen to me carefully, will give evidence of their salvation by risking their lives in caring for the Jewish people. They will give evidence of their salvation as saved Gentiles by their treatment of Jewish people. Now, this is not a works-based salvation in the tribulation period. Some individuals have come up with that idea that during the tribulation you're saved by works. My friends, salvation has always been by faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. So this is not in reference to a works-based salvation in the tribulation period, but rather the evidence of saving faith by their works and how they cared for and protected the apple of God's eye, the nation of Israel in their darkest hour. For Jesus said, this time coming, this great tribulation will be out of this world. There'll be nothing like it and there's never been anything like it. It was James who said in his book, as the spirit without the body is dead, so faith without works is dead also. This is what this, this is referring to. So these saved Gentiles will give evidence of their salvation and therefore will be allowed to enter into the millennium by how they cared for and protected Jewish individuals. But for those that chose to reject the gospel, they will give evidence of their rejection of the gospel and the fact that they're unsaved by the way they treat the Jewish people in the tribulation period. This is the judgment of the living nations. So for those of us that are saved and, ha and have and truly have a correct biblical perspective on Israel, we will love Israel. Amen, Pastor. We will support Israel. Amen, Pastor. We will pray for God's protection over Israel and her salvation. Amen. God promises to bless those that bless Israel. And God promises to curse those that curse Israel. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Let's be clear. In loving Israel, we do not hate those from Arab nations. God loves the world and so should we. And as we pray for the salvation of Israel, we need to pray for the salvation of those 
within these Arab nations and everybody else in the world. But Israel has a special place in the heart of God. That is irrefutable. Just like you and I have a special place, a special love for our family. You understand that? Your spouse, your children. That doesn't equate to a hatred of everybody else. Does it? It shouldn't. Israel has a special place in the heart of God, so Israel should have a special place in our hearts. Therefore, we don't desire to hurt her, though she is in unbelief. We understand that. She's yet to be saved, but she's still the apple of God's eye. Just like parents, your children might disappoint you and do some horrid things, but they're still your children. And I guarantee you, you'll still love them. So we as Bible-believing Christians, we don't desire to hurt Israel. We desire her blessing. We desire her salvation. That's a biblical perspective. This slogan, from the river to the sea, that you'll read of and is propagated in these pro-Palestine rallies, what's that referring to? From the river, Jordan, to the sea, Mediterranean, genocide. That's not godly. My friend, this morning, will you escape the great tribulation to come? It's only faith in Jesus Christ. It's only salvation in Christ that will be the only means of escaping the wrath of God to come. Where in a literal sense, all hell break loose and for those of us that are Christians this morning does your life demonstrate before others that you are a born-again Christian one way by which we can demonstrate to the world that we are saved born-again people that understand the teachings of Scripture is that by loving, supporting the nation of Israel and not desiring her genocide, but desiring her salvation. Amen. That's my sermon this morning. Israel, do you love me? you love me? Therein lies the proof.
proof of our salvation. May God help us.